Welcome to Time to Restore podcast. Join us as we engage in healing conversations from a therapy and faith perspective, exploring what it means to restore our whole selves. We would love your support, so if you would subscribe and leave a rating for us, we would really appreciate that as well. We invite you to take time with us as we consider today's topic. Hey, thanks for stopping in at Time to Restore. My name is Kate. I'm here with Chrissy. We're both therapeutic professionals active in our local church. We love community and people, and we love talking about the healing process. Today, we're going to talk about family, and we're going to give you the opportunity to consider the impact of your family as we maybe reflect on some of our own family experiences with you. Um, We're going to talk about how you can find healing from the broken parts and honor the good parts of where we come from. And there's this phrase that we'll use throughout family of origin. Um, I'm going to unpack that a little bit, but just to give you a snippet of what we mean by that, it's essentially the family you come from. And that might mean lots of things to different people, depending on what kind of family you come from. Um, But the origin of your heritage, your genealogy, that's what we mean by that phrase. I went to Southern Connecticut State University to get my master's degree. And I feel like they could have just relabeled the degree like, Family of origin degree because they talk about it so much, but it's also been super impactful for me. And I was just, you know, reflecting on that. One of the first classes I had to take was literally called family of origin. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I want to say, wow, if there's a master's degree that focused so heavily oh, yes. on family of origin, it must be important. It must be important. I think I sounded a little Italian there, which I'm definitely not. My family of origin does not involve Italians, but it must be important. Me and my husband, Matt, <laughs> were just talking about Italians because he is and I'm not at all. But how my mom used to like when we sat down to eat, she'd go, munch. Like, why do we do that? I'm not Italian one little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Anyway, if you're Italian, thank you for for being who you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just in reflecting, like I said, I took this class literally called Family of Origin. And the entire class was an assignment where we were told to create a genogram, which I'll explain in a little bit, of our family of origin. And had to present it in front of the entire class. So this giant butcher paper of this genogram and essentially a genogram created by this man named Murray Bowen in the 60s, 70s. And it's sort of like a family tree, but way more introspective and takes a lot more analysis with shapes and lines and really helps you create um, a visual that helps see patterns, you know, addictive patterns, relationship patterns, marital patterns, um, even like, I mean, a really cool piece is like what you don't know about your family and how that actually almost tells you not necessarily more, but a lot about like, okay, why do we not know what happened to this person? And where, you know, where, where are they? Like, we don't even talk about them. And why can't we like, anyway, I think it's so funny that you had to draw it out on a giant piece of paper and present it in front of your class. Because for me, it was a computer program that I submitted Uh. as an assignment. And I keep thinking about like, wow, what would it have been like to have to explain everything in front of people I barely know? Sweat dripping from your armpits. (laughs) That's what it would have been like. I could imagine that. It was terrifying. And I think I went like third in my class. So I was like standing in front of a room full of strangers, which maybe makes it a little easier and had to explain, you know, here's my grandma. And so the whole idea of genograms is you try to go three generations back. So mm-hmm. it's my grandparents, my parents, myself and my siblings. I mean, you can go as far back as you can track. Yeah. Um, I love going to, to my great grandparents. Yes. 
but you can get that far it's yeah. even like cooler to kind of see I knew a few of them so I think that's why it was important to me mm-hmm. yeah and so the whole again the whole idea behind this assignment and really the creation of the genogram is to consider your family of origin where you came from and how that impacts you now because a lot of times we think oh who I am now is just who I am now like I'm kind of impacted by my environment around me which is very true and yet we often don't reflect on past and not even just our past but the past of our of our heritage of our ancestors of like you know my great-grandfather came from Germany and started a company how that work ethic was instilled in my grandfather and then how that impacted my mom and me and like even just the thread of work ethic and how that not just was like his way of making wealth in America but also it infiltrated the way my family approaches success even and like how that really shapes how I have to kind of gauge success. That's such a great example. And when we look backwards, we see where some of that stuff comes from. Like my family, part of my family's Jewish and the Holocaust deposited Mm. something that was uh, dark, almost celebratory of, you know, our heritage. And at the same time, it's like a, a sadness that deposited from one generation Mm. to the next as we reflect on ancestors or people who had to face those things like this matters when we look back at what was what was it that my great-grandparents or my grandparents had to face what did they feel because their feelings and emotions were deposited into then my parents Mm -hmm. that were then deposited into me and we might not always know the meaning of where it was coming from. And you're making this cool point where there's like this larger cultural impact of these different people groups and how they have, have, as a people, have experienced past traumas and histories. And yet within that, your family is going to respond specific to that. Your family is going to have, you know, your parents, your grandparents, your grandparents, grandparents are going to have their own experience with that situation because of what they have gone through. And so you're not only going to have the cultural impact of of these different things, but also a personal family of origin impacts, which is really important to pay attention to. And so much of what we're really focusing on in this is is that inviting you to pay attention to, okay, what what was the the ways that your family of origin and the trends, the patterns, the secrets, how have those kind of come together to make you who you are and how you interact with the world? Yeah, and it is so key because I in our culture in America, we're individualistic, we're success oriented and it is interesting and really important where most other cultures, when you are culturally oriented to where you come from, stories are told from one generation to the next mm-hmm. where you can carry on the meaning behind what happened to those that went before me, mm. what it meant to them, how it affected them, and how that's affecting my life today. Yeah. Sometimes we miss that in America because we're so success-driven or individualistic. Right. Yeah, I've honestly been reading through Deuteronomy lately. Nice. Um, and it's it's essentially Moses is telling the people of Israel, like, this is not, it was like, obviously the laws and things like that, but kind of like, this is what you have to remember, to obey God and have life that's meant to be abundant and blessed. But the whole point of what I really took away from it is like, remember, <laughs> like you need to remember in order to, to move forward and, and make changes. Yeah, and right he's saying remember what happened because they came out of bondage yeah as a christian 
who gets to benefit from the free gift of grace that Jesus offers on the cross that he took up. It's like it fulfills all of the th- the things that they came out of slavery, that they established the ways of living towards God. It's awesome to go back and say, why, why, what meaning does following Jesus hold for me today? Mm. Oh, that it's connected to all of this. Yeah, totally. Meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with this, as we think about this idea of family of origin, we're hoping that you're, this is kind of getting your wheels turning. Like, mm. oh, maybe you've never considered what your great grandparents went through. It doesn't even have to be like tragic, huge, abusive kind of things. It can be just, what was marriage like? You know, what were the yes. rules of marriage? What were the commu- things communicated about, like I was saying before, about success or about work ethic? Work ethic. What a beautiful thing to recognize. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like gender roles. Like, what is it like to be a woman in your family or a man in your family? What are the things that you were told? This is how you behave as a as a female that could have come from your great grandparents who told your grandparents who told your parents. Um, I'm also just even reflecting if you don't know those people, sometimes there can feel this like gap of of information, right? Where it's like maybe you were adopted and you don't know the heritage of of your birth family. Um, and so, you know, being reflective of how that's impacted you, right? Absolutely. Of like the absence of that. Yeah, because you can, especially for people who do believe that um, God provides a family, says he puts the lonely in families, Um, He describes believers as a family. So we can receive from other people and create a family story. And that's as potent. And at the same time, it is a shared experience of a lot of people who are adopted that Mm -hmm. maybe they long to know, well, what is my heritage? Because I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think too, so essentially, we're inviting you to be curious about your family. And, and things coming to mind right now, what you don't know, like I said before, is sometimes almost as important as what you do know and being curious about that. I'd encourage you to ask people. Um, when I did this project, I remember sitting down with my dad and kind of saying like, oh, like I don't actually know much about this person. Like what was it that you knew about them? And one, I got to just learn more about my family, which was really cool. But also it was interesting, the things he didn't know and the things he did and just being curious about that. Azure observant of this family of origin your history you can then start to like we're talking about recognize the impact it has on you right absolutely i'm remembering right now like my mom telling me stories of how my grandmother grew up in the backwoods of new york state in a converted chicken coop what did that mean to me as a kid nothing oh okay a converted chicken coop and then the stories of they didn't even have an outhouse until her wedding wow right what does that mean to me that Okay, somehow they made it to Connecticut and built a life here. And it was it took a lot of toil and hard work and labor for them to become middle class Mm. because she was in such poverty, like growing up in the woods Mm. Um, and how that had shaped my mom. And then I just grew up middle class. So it didn't really affect me in quotes, but it really did affect our the struggle that my mom had to get to where she got to Mm. and the things that she probably valued or or didn't consider right and it just makes me think about again this idea we've we've talked in past episodes about this idea of the elements of the self Mm. and how we have talked about you know spirit body soul and relationships Mm -hmm. and so reflecting on that so in this sense we're kind of reflecting on like the spiritual impact but also the relational impact 
oh yeah of of these different values messages um so even reflecting there there might be ways that kind of in a different route how you view god is is how maybe you view your dad or your mom and that could be positive or negative like i was reflecting um one example in a positive light is i remember in like high school or college, like believing in God and someone asking me like, why do you believe in God? And I was like, my dad's really smart and he does. And so I do. <laughs> like I didn't have a better answer. I mean, I've, and you know, since then I've created my own belief, but that's like an example where like his faith, his spirituality had an impact on my own just because I trusted him. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And when I came to faith, I was 21 when I came to faith, but I was raised Catholic mostly and we did celebrate some Jewish holidays, which I love and appreciate so much. Being raised Catholic, not my, my mom was very devout. My grandmother was so devout, beautiful believers. Mm. And their religious practice was like, to me, defined. I internalized it as I have to earn my way. I have to earn my way. I have to serve. I have to. Um, it was always very like sit up, kneel up straight, like very tense mm. to me. And that's the way I internalized it as a kid doesn't necessarily mean that's what my mom was trying to get me to internalize, right? right? And um, But that's how I saw it. And so when I approached my own faith and the message that I received was, no, I've done everything and I accept you just as you are, mm -hmm. that changed a lot for me. Yeah. Because I found rest. Whereas my mom finds rest in her practice and that's okay it's just mm -hmm. different and what our different personalities mean for that but that's the spiritual note that i have processed or part of it at least yeah. from my experience and so maybe you can relate to one of those types of experiences um we definitely encourage you to consider okay as you think about your family of origin like what would be an impact that has had spiritually on right. you again kind of like what i referenced before sometimes it's hard to see when we think right now, thinking spirituality being about our relationship with God, how has your relationship with your parents, even your grandparents, maybe your grandma was this wonderful woman of faith and that led you to Jesus. Maybe opposite. Maybe your grandmother was really abusive or really talked down to you and also said she was a woman of faith. And so that brings this conflict of like, what does it mean to, to say you love God and also hurt me so much? Yeah, because the theory of... Um, us finding and understanding who our creator is happens through our relationships and we could go back to the fall and we can go back to like the first relationships that became broken after adam and eve turned away from god's ways mm. and the point being that we are intended to see our relationship with god through our humanly relationships that sometimes maybe are broken or don't represent God fully mm. because we're human. And what does that mean when we interpret our relationship back with God? Right. That's so impactful. And it's usually our very early, early experiences with relationships. So it's not even in our consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's not even like we're aware yeah. that I relate to God this way because my needs weren't met or... I, I never learned that I could stand on my own two feet because my parents were always afraid to give me independence. Like even thinking again about these elements of self, like the way our spiritual relationship with God can be impacted by our earthly relationships with our parents, even siblings, you know, different people within our family of origin. Um, and reflecting too on, you know, we're also talking about elements of self of like our body and our soul, like our soul being our thoughts, our emotions, our mind, our psyche. And how interestingly, 
we can see ways that family of origin can impact those things too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, first easy one that comes to mind, affection when right. it comes to our bodies, right? So like if you did have an experience where people hurt you physically, that's going to impact the way you are engaged in relationships and affection. And then kind of a, even I remember you kind of mentioning like how hugging in your family right. was interesting, like in lack. Yes. Know? It was a big tension because my mom is not a super physically affectionate person. And she's come a long way in terms of being a grandma. She's so huggy. And I think some of that has to do with well, how do we manage our stress that simply, or maybe it's where she came from or where her mom came from. Right. And it, so in my family, I remember me developing this tenseness, like I don't like being physically touchy with people. Mm -hmm. And my sister even saying like, why don't you guys ever just hug? Like don't, sometimes I just need a hug and me thinking like so like opposed to that. I don't want to hug. And so now it's funny because my husband is so affectionate physically in mm. e even with his guy friends. He's, he loves he being, is. Is. <laughs> he loves being physical. And I, We've had to work on the fact that to me, it feels like a violation if you come into my space, especially if I'm tense or mm, stressed. Yeah. But it's the very thing that I need. My body needs Maybe. to be touched in a loving way in order to calm down sometimes. So I've had to be very conscious of welcoming physical affection. Mm. And so, and with my children, I don't want my children to feel like they have to be so tense. I want them to be able to receive a hug and know that I'm open to receiving a hug. I'm reflecting that sometimes that even that element of healing, that's such a cool example of like letting yourself be healed by the affection of your husband, Matt, and like letting that be something that's like, okay, let me, let me let you rewrite this for me. <laughs> let me let, let me loosen this up and have that benefit your kids. So thinking family of origin for them. Right. And I'm reflecting that sometimes there are physical things like we've been maybe abused so like the healing might need to come from meeting with a therapist doing i mean oh, my yeah. sister's an equestrian therapist which is so Ooh, fascinating explain to that me. explain equestrian because that word to me oh it always trips me up yes so i will do my best i apologize carrie if i don't <laughs> say all the right <laughs> words but horses so horses she works with i mean these gigantic beautiful mammals that mm. can be terrifying but are also so gracious and she'll work with people with disabilities who need to like strengthen muscles and things like that but also will work with like veterans mm. or people of sexual trauma or you know anyone who's had it could just not just physical but also emotional other things healing needed um and she's talked about when someone gets on a horse it gives them this sense of power and Ooh, like confidence so because they're amazing. directing this gigantic being um and it gives them this sense of healing physically, emotionally. Um, and again, this is what I've heard her say. She could talk way more about it, but I'm just reflecting on like, sometimes we need to recognize like our physical traumas or physical, even emotional traumas might need to be healed in a therapeutic setting that might even be outside of a talk therapy setting. Water therapy, I've heard like swimming, you know, things like that where you connect back to your body oh. in ways that just talking about it can't even do. Yeah, I mean, yoga is huge for that. Just breath and movement. There's so many studies being done and partnerships being made between therapists and people who are in it to help the body move through the traumatic pain or dance therapy. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I love the idea of dance therapy. I have a friend who got into ballroom dancing. Okay. And that has been like emotionally and physically healing for her. Oh, that's it's beautiful. It's very cool to hear her talk about it. Yeah, and ballroom dancing has that structure so it's creative mm -hmm. structure so Absolutely. that can feel really safe for people who have had 
like trauma. Exactly. So there's lots of different ways to, to reckon, again, that kind of recognize the impact of how your family of origin could have affected your physical interaction with your own body. And Mm -hmm. again, kind of going back to affection, what is it like to have someone hug you? Like Kate was just sharing. I have honestly (laughs) a similar experience. My family was affectionate and loving, but less physically affectionate. And so whereas, I mean, it's so similar. It's so funny too. Our, our husbands are like best friends and they're both like, please stop touching me. <laughs> like I, me, meaning like, I'll say that I'll feel that. Yeah. And like Kate and I can rate to like, no, you sit there. I'll sit here. Like we're good. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I have a six inch space between us, I feel like we're close. We're close. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm even, you know, reflecting on just like, again, how, how affection can be articulated in our families of origin mm-hmm. and, and how, again, this is about curiosity, right? So like, how has that caused you to then be in relationship with other people and in relationship to your own body. So our fourth element of self that we just to tap onto this idea of soul and psyche and essentially like how we feel, how we think. I was about to say, I feel like that's often the most obvious one of how our families impact us, but I'm taking that back. I don't know if that's actually true. It really depends on your experience, right? And like some families are so comfortable talking about emotions almost to the point that's like, Okay, everyone chill out. <laughs> yeah. Um, some families are not. So maybe you grew up in a family that was very emotional. Like everybody had emotional reactions. Everyone was really outspoken with, you made me feel this way. How could you do this? And it was very like outward in their emotional experience. With no boundary. With no boundary. Yeah. Some, you know, some families it's the opposite where it's like people have emotions and just yeah. keep them in, lock them tight, don't express them, you know. And that can be, they're both, you know, not one better than the other. This is all about reflection of like, how has that, the experience I had with my emotions, with how I was taught to experience my emotions and express my emotions, Mm -hmm. how is that currently impacting me? And I would say, and and do I want to continue with that or do I want to make a change? How could I reflect on how, you know, as soon as my mom got mad, this is not my experience, but for example, maybe as soon as my mom got mad, she started yelling at all of us. Is mm-hmm. that how you interact with your kids? Is that how you interact with your spouse? Do you want to continue that? Or would you yeah. like to make a change? Or when mom was yelling, dad was silent. Yes. And you find yourself doing that, that you wall up or you're more passive in approach and you don't advocate. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because we learn, again, relational impact of how emotions are expressed. We learn that from our families of origin, for yeah. sure. Yeah. What's it like to be allowed to be sad? I have a client that Ooh. I've been doing a lot of work with her on being okay, being sad. Because mm. she even said, I mean, she's a young girl. And she said to me the other day, I don't want to get depression. That was her kind of ability to con- conceptualize mm. it. And so I don't want to let myself be sad because I don't want to get that. Oh. And I was like, interesting. Let's talk more about that. And, yeah. you know, somewhere along the line, she took on this message of, I need to be happy. And mm-hmm. if I'm happy, I won't be sad and I won't get depressed. Mm-hmm. And she was carrying a deep sadness that actually needed to have healing come to it. That's beautiful because if you can't be aware of your emotions, then you can't process them. Mm-hmm. If you can't process them, they're going to sit like a reservoir in your body and in your mind. Yeah. yeah, Right. And oftentimes they don't go away. They often come out in other places. So this ha- happens to be an adolescent with an eating disorder. Mm. And interestingly, the more we've started to unpack her sadness the more her eating disorder has gotten louder, I think, in my analysis to try to like stuff stuff it down. Think back to your own family of origin. If that's something you're relating to right now, it's possible that along the way, like I said, kind of in my experience, when we talked about narrative therapy a few episodes ago, this message of be a good girl, yeah. I took to mean don't ever be sad. Don't ever, you know, be critical. Like watch every word, how that can 
affect how we experience uncomfortable emotions that are often quote unquote, not good girl emotions. You know, in the midst of listening to this episode, there might be things coming up, things you're noticing that it would be important to bring to a therapist where you have a safe space to process those things. And even maybe some reflections from this episode of recognizing like, okay, I don't even know how to approach that emotion. So I'm going to need, I'm going to need some extra support. I'm going to need some extra intervention, some extra coping skills. Um, And so really, yeah, like as you're listening to these episodes, we're our intention is to help just kind of create curiosity, create an opportunity to find healing in this time and also take it to someone who can continue the healing and really bring it deeper in a safe environment. Yeah, this is so good. So what we're going to do now is get into our reflective meditation. And this is where we take the content of what we've been talking about and we offer some time at the end to sit We breathe, we use breath in order to help ourselves calm our whole system down. And we slowly will lead you through a guided meditation where we reflect on some of the content of our episode for today. When you breathe, I want you to keep in mind the diaphragmic breathing. So when Mm -hmm. you breathe in, your diaphragm should be pushing down. And use this deep breath as a way to relax your body and engage your brain. This is deeper level experiential reflection. Yeah, so let's start by taking a deep breath in and let it out. How are you feeling right now? What emotions do you have? Affection, anxiety, joy, shame. Stay curious about these emotions without judgment. And take a deep breath in and breathe out. Notice your body. Is there tension? Pain? Consider how these physical sensations might be connected to your current emotions. And breathe in. Breathe out. Let the face of someone in your family come to your mind who you consider to be loving and supportive of you. What might you say to them? What might they say to you? Even say those things out loud right now as you breathe in and breathe out. Consider your family and something that stood out to you about your family from this conversation. How can you stay curious about that? Sit with that for just a moment. Is there a step that you need to take to process and heal? Or even to honor and celebrate? Breathe in. And breathe out. How can you invite God to help you understand your family story? Breathe in and breathe out. May you be at peace and thank you for finding time to restore. Thanks for listening. This podcast is not intended to take the place of medical or professional services. Please go to psychologytoday.com to search for a qualified professional in your area, or you can call and ask your insurance provider.